to another edition of the Student Fire Podcast, live from the Speak Fire Studio. My name is Bobby Berg. I'm a motivational speaker for schools, and I'm here to help you live your best life today. I'm sorry, Will. You know what? Actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. Hey, you know what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first day without him, right? Mm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die with him! I ain't need him then, and I don't need him now. Will. Will. Now, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm going to have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that, because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? What's going on, everyone? Bobby Berg here. Welcome back to another edition of Student Fire. Now, as a lot of you probably heard from the intro, this is going to be a little toned down. This episode, I'm going to put a trigger warning right here for everyone. This episode is going to talk about really raw topics. This episode is going to be very honest. I'm not holding anything back because I asked the best honest versions of you. I'm going to give you the exact same thing in return. And most importantly, this is not going to be this lovely windy yellow brick road down memory lane this trip down memory lane is going to be rough it's going to have some twists it's going to have some turns you're going to trip over a couple rocks and roots but at the end of it i promise you at the end of this road is success so for everyone understand that this is going to be a long episode this could very easily be a 10 20 minute episode but there's a lot of content to get through let's take that step right now and jump right into this and see what it, see where it takes us. For those of you that are fans of the podcast, that follow my Facebook, my Instagram, you've heard this story before. But for those of you new listeners, first off, thanks for coming on this journey that's going to get a little deep for your first ride, but it's cool. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, I'm going to give you the condensed version. When I was much younger, my mom had a drug problem. We were living in our old house that was owned by my grandparents, and we had broken into it because the house was cleaned up. Well, my mom had come home and said, hey, I grabbed the wrong paper towels. I'm going to go out and get some more. There was nothing in the house. The house had been completely cleaned out. There was a gallon of water and there was those little Debbie's donut holes. There was probably half a box of those. And two hours pass, four hours pass, 12 hours pass. And I realized my mom might not be back for a very long time. So what did I do? I made sure that my great grandmother ate. Did I eat? No. I didn't. I had maybe a donut hole, and that was it. And you know the nutritional value of those. There's nothing to be had, so it, it doesn't really do much. Well, the fourth day, we ran out of food. But we had water, so I thought we were okay. Well, day five comes, and my stomach is churning. And my five-year-old self had no idea what to do, and I panicked. And my mom had told us, don't leave the house. No one knows we're here. And I wasn't one to disobey my mom. But in this case, I said, listen, if I don't get out of here... We are not going to make it through this. So I went over to my neighbor's house and I begged to use the phone. And I called my grandfather. Side note, I'm going to use the terms Uppa and Umma. Uppa 
is the German word for grandfather. Oma is the German word for grandmother. Side note over, back to the story. Well, I called, I said, Oppa, can you come over here? We're hungry. He goes, where are you? And I told him we were, where we were at, and he comes over, and he brought us McDonald's. And I'm going to tell you all right now, taking a bite into that burger was one of the most amazing things because my five-year-old hand could not wrap all the way around at this quarter pounder with cheese. But I'll tell you right now, I snarfed that thing down like it was the last thing I was ever going to eat. Long story short, my Oppa and Oma got emergency custody of me, and it created a lot of tension in my family growing up. Now, why am I telling you all of this? I'm telling you all of this to set the stage for what actually happened in my life. Now, in this neighborhood that my grandparents lived in, it was North Royalton, Ohio, and it's a very white, middle-class neighborhood. In this entire city, there were 30 black occupants in total. That means students, families, and parents, all of the above. In my elementary school, I was the only black kid there. And it was really hard trying to find my place because, you know, a lot of the kids would joke and say, well, you're not white, so you don't really fit in here, but you don't act black, so you kind of could fit in. Where do you go? See, and I was already sort of the anomaly in school because I was the black kid in school. And better yet, I was the black kid in school that didn't have a dad. Yes, I had father figures, and yes, I had a mother figure, but guess what? Both of my parents weren't in the school district. Both of my parents didn't live with me, so where was I to go? See, I didn't fit in with everyone because most people had both parents, both loving, caring parents right there all the time, not me. See, I'm even more of an outcast now, so where do I fit? How do I fall into the mold? And I wasn't dumb. I knew that the kids would make fun of me all the time. The kids would always make their jokes. Oh, well, you don't have a dad. Oh, well, whose father's going to be here for Father's Day for you, huh? How do you feel on Father's Day knowing that your father isn't here? What's it feel like? Were the quips that I would hear every single week. Every time around this point of the year, I would hear this. Every year. It never stopped. See, I knew that I was the only black kid in the school. and And guess what? I didn't have a dad there. But I had my uncle show up for every single Father's Day event. For every donuts with dad in the morning that we would have, he was there. See, I was the outcast because I was the black kid in the school. But better yet, I may not have had my father there, but I had my dad. My dad was there always. And it didn't matter that my white uncle, who was there as my dad, was there with me. It didn't matter that I didn't have my biological father there with me. My dad was there with me. And that was something I wrestled with for a long time, y'all. It took me a long time to just come to terms with the fact that the color of my skin doesn't matter. What matters is what's inside of me and how I treat people. And what makes me me is how I change your life. What makes me me is how I make you feel in every interaction that we have. The thing that makes me uniquely me is the fact that I don't care about my skin color. I love who I am. Inside and out, I love everything about me. Flaws in everything. That's what makes me me. But that didn't come early, y'all. That took me years. It wasn't until probably my sophomore year of high school where I finally said, listen, Bobby, this is you. Take it or leave it, man. And it's not really a take it or leave it. Deal with it because this is you and you get to be the best you that you can be no matter what. You know, there were times in middle and elementary school where I got bullied a lot. There's a kid, I'm not going to name him because I don't want to throw people under the bus, but this kid bullied me all the time because his parents were extremely racist. They taught him that no matter what, it doesn't matter if they're not white, they don't count. They're not white, you don't need to associate with them. If someone that's not a white person is bothering you, you have every right to put them in their place. That's a direct quote from them. 
And for years, all my grandmother and grandfather would tell me is don't fight. Don't fight. Don't get in this kid's face. Leave him alone. Tell a teacher. Get away from him. But the problem was it wasn't the fact that he was always bullying me. He would seek me out and I would actively leave and he would still get under my skin. And it wasn't what he did right then and there. It was the things that were said. It was those words that creeped under my skin. I could feel them just cutting lines in my forearms and seeping into my very being and just making it a toxic environment for everyone. Long story short, that kid and I, I finally confronted him one day. I said, listen, this isn't the real you, man. I know you're not this mean, because you and I have been partners before in class, and I know that you don't hate me. Please stop being mean to me. And thank goodness, the kid finally did. But that took, that was such a hard thing, because what do you do? What do you do with that? Everyone knows the answer to this. You know, let's flash forward a little bit to high school. I was training for a mixed martial arts fight, and for, again, for fans of the podcast, you've heard the story before, but you're going to hear it again. I was getting so ready for my fight. It didn't matter. Nothing was going to stop me. I was eating well. I was training two times a day. I was lifting weights. I was in the gym. I was coaching the rest of my team. I was studying film. I was doing every single thing possible to get ready for my fight. Well, I get to my fight, bell rings, and I freeze. I'm scared because I haven't warmed up. The kid that I'm fighting is, has about 22 or so fights under his belt. He's going to beat me. So we're going back and forth. We're trying to fight. We're throwing jabs. We're throwing crosses. And I'm catching all of them with my face. And I panic and I throw a head kick and I miss. Well, the kid takes a nice step in and throws a right hook right at my ribs. And it connects. I hear a crack and I crumble to the ground. Now, mind you, that punch really hurt. But what hurt more is the fact that I was terrified. I didn't think I could get up. I didn't believe that I deserved to get up. Every bad thing that anyone had ever said to me in the world came flooding back. And I got scared, and you know what I did? Again, I know everyone's expecting this rocky finish where I stood up, said, yeah, let's do this, and got back in the fight. I put my hands up and said, I'm done. I think I broke my rib. I knew damn well that I didn't break my rib. What was happening is I was quitting. I was afraid. I was ashamed. I got hit so hard that the kids scared the strength out of me. That's what happened. And what happened after the fight... So we walk over to the middle of the ring, my opponent gets his arm raised, I'm just looking straight at the floor, I refuse to make eye contact with anybody or anything. I don't want to be in that room, I want to run, I want to sprint away as fast as I can. And their coach comes over and gives me a couple pointers and said, hey, you know, good job, you fought a really hard opponent, and I'll be honest with you, there was no way you were going to win this because this kid has so much experience, but you hung in there. The fighter's polite way of saying, keep training, but you lost, learn from this. I walk over to my coach. He pats me on the back and says, Bobby, and I said, Coach, I don't want to hear it, and I walked out. All my friends are putting their hands on me trying to say, Bobby, you did great, and I run past every single person out to my car. I jump in the back of the truck, throw my gloves on the ground, and break down. And I'm not talking just that kind of crying. I am talking that ugly, disgusting, sobbing crying that you get to the point where you can't breathe, to the point where it feels that your chest is going to implode because of the amount of anger that you're feeling. That kind of crying is what happened. My best friend, Michael, comes out and he runs over and he gives me a hug. He goes, dude, what's going on? And I just, I pulled him in, buried my head in his chest. And I said, Michael, why the hell wasn't he here? He goes, what do you mean? I said, Michael, my grandfather passed away when I was in fourth grade. He taught me everything about being a man that I know. My uncle Frank is still alive and he shows me what it's like to be a real man, to take care of the household, to take care of yourself, to just get up, dust yourself off and keep moving no matter what gets in your way. And I can't thank him and my grandfather enough for that. But man, you know what this is like after being bullied for years in elementary school and middle school. And right now, you years of being bullied, years of not knowing how to fight, years of just this 
being put down just because of who I am and what I look like. And I know none of that has anything to do with this, but dude, this is the first big fight that I've lost. Your dad is supposed to be the one that grabs you by the shoulders, pulls you up off the ground and says, it's okay, son. It's okay. Where is he? I know this man lives in Bedford. I know for a fact that's where he lives. Where is he? And then instead of talking more, I just started sobbing harder. Now for a lot of you, I understand this is a really big, deep topic. And it is Father's Day, and I want to say thank you to every father that's out there that takes care of their kids, that's been there in their children's life. Because you are truthfully what helps shape the future. But I just, I'm, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer on this, but y'all, this is honest. For those fathers out there, thank you for taking care of your children. Thank you for being there in their life. Because you don't understand what it's like for a kid growing up without a father in their life. To just have to figure everything out on their own. Yeah, it's possible. I did it. People have done it. But you know what? It's a lot easier to have that father figure in your life. And for everyone that has a father figure in your life, thank them. If you didn't call them yesterday, call them today. Better yet, go to them if you can. And say this in person. Let them know how much they mean to you. I called my Uncle Frank today. You know, this man is my role model. I want to be him. I want to be everything that he believes when it comes to manhood and I love it. I want to be the father that I think I can be. I want to be the father that I never had. My uncle Frank showed me what it's like to be a dad, to be there to, for those hard moments, to be there when someone needs you. That's what being a father is. Being a father is being able to take those hard moments, those hard decisions and showing your family that you can hand you can handle it. Show your family that you are the person that can be there when they need it. You are the reliable rock. And honestly, y'all, for those of you that have stuck around for this long, thank you so much. This was a very difficult episode for me to make. Um, this episode is going to be minimally edited. I want y'all to get this honest story out of me. I thank you so much for taking me on this journey down memory lane because this is a story I don't like to tell. I don't like to talk about this because it hurts. And it's a lot of sad, painful memories. But at the end of all of this, do you know what happened? At the end of all of this, I got up. You know, I remember distinctly all of the times that my dad wasn't there and I had to be the man of the house or I had to sit there and figure it out on my own. And truthfully, it taught me one valuable lesson that I want every single person that's listening to remember. There's nothing in the world that can stop you. You are what determines your future. It's not whether you had both parents or one parent or no parents. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. You are what determines your success. You are what determines this path. You are the one that is going to make you memorable. That's all I got for you. I hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead of you. Keep grinding. Keep doing what you can. Be the best you that you can be and enjoy everything the summer has to bring. Catch you on the next one. Peace! excited to bring you my new book, Trendsetter, Seven Steps to Radically Stand Out to Be the Best You. This book details my journey of coming to the United States and being excited to embrace the American culture. But unfortunately, my culture was not accepted and I found myself being bullied as a young girl. And in this process, I decided that I wanted to disconnect from my culture to be more accepted into American culture. 
And through that process, I got so depressed from trying to fit in that I attempted suicide my freshman year in high school. So this book talks about the journey of what I did to become radically transformed, to be the strong woman I am today. This book is something that's really gonna enable the reader to understand and embrace who they are, embrace what makes them special and become radically transformed. Get your copy today at becomingatrendsetter.com. Again, that is becomingatrendsetter.com or check it out at my website at aishathomas.org.